and the Buddha's use of language to represent how we experience things. He talked of ahara, nutriment. We could say input. Um, there's a unaware input, which is just kind of instinctive or unawakened. And there's also awakened input, ahara, food, which involves... Um, Dumber experiences such as uh, deep attention, mindfulness, enlightenment factors, food for the heart. These are generated within the heart so it doesn't consume anything outside. And it gives, doesn't leave any unskillful residues. And he talked of um, the heart, the chitta, when it's affected by passion. Feeding on material food, sense contact, willpower, and mental activations. And... Uh, Sense consciousness, things to be occupied with. These are turning outward from the heart. And uh, so this passion is that sense of delight, stimulation that occurs. The outward turning receives something, is activated by it. A surge of feeling occurs. And feeling propels the heart towards more or less, depending if it's aversion, but generally towards more of something. Thinking consuming. And uh, insatiable. Because it's trying to feed on something that doesn't have this proper nourishment heart can't really feed upon sense contact because sense contact comes and goes flitters through whereas something like uh, mindfulness or joy can be prolonged and referred to without any further uh, additions so the effect of passion, which can be, you know, playing chess, it doesn't have to be anything that's gross, it could be playing chess or you know, just a sense of fired up for it. And you do realise that, you know, people who play chess can become obsessive chess players where, you know, they become kind of emotionally cut off from other people because they're so absorbed in, in playing chess. It has that sense in which where passion arises, we tend to get tunnel vision on that object and exclude other phenomena and other ways of developing. It tends to fixate us upon that which we take delight in. In that moment, everything else is is shut out. Heart is is tunnel vision. This is passion. That tunnel vision 
whether it's computer science or, you know, muffins, <laughs> we sort of sink in, obliterate, you know, awareness into that object. Free awareness, free reflective awareness that you can't turn and reflect, which is it's one of its salient, in fact, liberating potential is the jitta has the ability to release an object and turn and reflect upon the effects, reflect upon itself. How's this feeling? When we get totally possessed and absorbed, that doesn't happen. So this is why passion is, is not conducive to liberation. And in that passion we don't really, without reflection, we don't necessarily see cause and effect. So for example, with physical food, uh, we realise if we're wise and reflect, we realise if we're taking food, that means something else isn't getting it. Clearly, you know, we're somehow using a resource that other creatures aren't getting. Um, We're using up something that's innately not ours. So let's go lightly, is, is the reflective understanding. Uh, let's go lightly with that. Only that which is really necessary. Uh, so you notice cause, you notice the effects of food. Well, keeps you alive, but also all food, you get debris, you get the you know, body's debris, excrement, urine and so forth, you've got to get rid of. And also you get the leftovers from the food, the cuttings, the roots, the bits you can't eat, get thrown away. And quite a considerable amount of food, edible food, is thrown away. People don't like an apple, which is lumpy. Don't like the look of it. You don't eat the look of it, but you buy the look of it. (laughs) So if it looks lumpy, you don't buy it. Or specky, even though the fruit is perfectly good. So a lot of really good food gets thrown away just because... We don't really understand or ponder deeply the nature of food, what it's about. We see it as a commodity, uh, and then all kinds of other preferences and values come in. So, this is one of the four foods. Another one is contact. Contact is that sense of something... uh, arises that stimulates negative or positive, painful, pleasant, associated with feeling, contact, direct experience, contact. And when you're contacted by uh, something, you know, then that, for that moment, the feeling that's born of that, you know, affects the chitta. So, for example, there's loud music, you can't concentrate on your, on your, writing project because that contact is blotting out other forms of input so the mind is then again tunnel vision you can only absorb into one kind of contact miss out on other kinds of contact so the mind is tunneled And you only receive the results of that contact. The 
dominant contact is the one that affects and stimulates the chitta. We can see this very obviously. This is the way that we're, we're sort of steered. Bright lights, flashing signs, slogans capture the eye. We go for that. You know, clever promotion slogans that actually are sometimes quite meaningless. Uh, you go for that. And in that tunnel vision, we don't really reflect. Some of the, you know, the slogans can be really quite stupid. Doesn't matter because they just have an, some immediate contact input. Like if you notice, you'll ever see a, a, a wristwatch or a timepiece being advertised, which is any other time on it than eight minutes past ten. You notice that? Every one of them, eight minutes past ten. They'd never have a wristwatch at twenty-five minutes past seven because the hands are turning down, hands turning up is a smile, see, positive, so you always have to have that like that. You'll notice that every one of them, eight minutes past ten, <laughs> because that's the happy face, I think, oh, you know, little signals like that. Uh, and you notice this stuff, and the slogans, I think last time I was going to an airport, this is whiskey being advertised, the whiskey that never stops moving. What's that mean? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it's just a sign of ding, 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 ding. You know, bump around, happy, lively, fuzzy. I mean, the whiskey never stopped moving. It'd be running around in the bottom. <laughs> no, it's not logical, it's just... So a lot of the contact impressions are just perceptual. You know, they hit something that represents happy, fun, lively, in, you know, and, and your mind picks that up. Contact. With contact, of all bases of contact, it's the mental contact is the most significant. We see something with the eyes, but actually the, what we see with the eyes it has a has a mental sign to it, like you know the signs of the hands of a wristwatch pointing upwards, which just means eight minutes past ten, literally. But the mind sees that as smile, reminds me of smile, happy. So there, that signal is given to to the mind, to the heart. Oh. Whereas if it was twenty five past seven, it's depressed. <laughs> it doesn't have to make sense to work if you listen to most political speeches they don't make sense at all they're just full of slogans like for the good of our country and what? <laughs> what can we mean our country? what's that? trees? land? no? it doesn't mean anything the welfare of our nation what, what, you know, what are you talking about? You know, some kind of nebulous, fuzzy, feel-good slogan gets thrown out. 
is the contact impression that dominates all others, is mental perception. So we see something with the eye, it might be bright or dark or moving, uh-huh. that's got a certain impression to it. And then you have something, or a word with it like fun or vigorous or playful. And that, that perceptual trigger carries a lot more than the visual sign. And then the heart, chitta, doesn't really see the sense world. It only experiences what the mano drops into it. The mano is the mind organ that scans the other senses and interprets them. Right? So the mano, mano vijnana, what it does is it scans the sight, sound, touch, taste, smell, senses, and says, oh, that's this, that's attractive, or that reminds me of, you know, happy, joyful, warm, cosy, uh, interesting, mystical, uh, charismatic, you know, and then the heart gets that. And you see it, it's very clear in advertisements where you get always models look kind of a bit slinky or or kind of a bit, bit of mystique or charisma or bright. They're not kind of looking around depressed or confused. They're always looking bright, positive, or kind of slightly sullen, but in a mystically interesting way. <laughs> and you get it, oh, buy one of those. contact impressions and then we don't really reflect wisely on the object that's being sold as so what, it just comes and goes it'll break down one day one day I'll throw it away or give me delight for about 15 seconds then it'll just be ho-hum in a drawer somewhere like everything else <laughs> and one day it'll just get discarded or lost or break down or be used up which is Blunt, but it happens to be true. <laughs> there is no lasting delight in them. But there is the lasting delight comes from the perception. The mind touches a button or some a soft spot in the heart that longs for happiness, joy, comfort, uh, connection. You know, it touches these places in the heart that have that, that interest. Oh, and the heart flares up. There it is. And then, got to have one. Tunnel vision. This tries to many things, consumerism, but is the most fundamental way in which human beings are steered, corralled, directed, you know, manipulated through this system, whereby one doesn't reflect, doesn't have time to reflect, no need to reflect, reflective capacity is cut off, one is just impassioned, and very dangerous. Uh, the immediate effect is dangerous, the long-term effect is, is dangerous. You get... Um, 
you know, we assume that human being has to be mystical, happy, contented, joyful, bright, valiant, young, attractive, something like that. No, they don't. They can be average, getting by, so what? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing special, just to know it doesn't have to be a big deal on that level, on the sensory level. Just okay, manageable. Because the true wise human being sees their treasure here somewhere else. They don't need all this stuff. Treasure is somewhere else in the heart. So you make contact with that. Disengage with that contact. And you understand the power of it. Perception. And our nature is such that um, the mental perception overrides everything. So we can almost lose contact with here and now reality. You know, in terms of physical, for example. Because we're in this blur of imagination, proliferation, momentum. It's blurred. Actuality is blurred by a kind of a general smudge of, of automatic management. Yeah, if you go to most places nowadays, you can't really sit down anywhere without there being music played at you. The music itself is generally not special, it's just the kind of jigga ding dong boom jigga ding bong dong dong ding jigga ding bong bong. Nothing, just the kind of jigga ding. It's like a sort of sugar slapped over the, because the idea of actually listening to what somebody's saying <laughs> is a bit too raw. <laughs> so you have to have a blurring medium. They just get this blurring medium of vaguely happy, rhythmic bouncings going along, and you get into a kind of dull, foggy state, chugging through the day. And they don't actually listen carefully to what's going on or pay deep attention to the here and now realities. Uh, so if you were just swept along in this stuff, you know, with a kind of happy, bouncy attitude, you know, that's that's brainwashing. And in that we go into automatic. Because once you get brainwashed into that sense where you're no longer actually directly sensing you know, your body, what's actually happening in your heart, because it's smothered with this blurring medium, then we go into automatic reflexes, which will get programmed in. Automatic reflexes, oh, you know. You've got your automatic menu that you automatically choose. You've got your automatic times of day. You go to automatically, automatically switch something on at this time. Automatically, you know, everything goes into easy. Don't have to think about it. Don't have to reflect upon it. Just do it. Eat something because it's time to eat. Whether you want anything to eat, whether you need it, it's not. It's just, it's time to do that. So we get programmed in this way. They acuity, the sensitivity, the spontaneity, the here and now intelligence of the chitta gets blurred by these kind of smothering qualities. 
and sets up standards of being blurred and you know jumpy and reactive they call it vibrant a vibrant city means people are going frantic and getting drunk (laughs) vibrant it's called vibrant nightlife (laughs) this is promoted So we can contemplate contact and the, the hunger for it because when you're eating that kind of junk food, that kind of contact with junk food, uh, you don't get satisfied, so you eat some more. So you're starting to, you know, where does it come from? Who produces it? Why do they produce this stuff? These automatic, while well, these signals, promotions, advertising, <laughs> to exploit you, to to drive you, to you know, that's what it's about. What are the results? Doing things which you're not really fully clearly aware of, uh, not really clearly assessing or judging what you're doing, losing your sense of presence of mind, and being herded into compulsive habits which don't go anywhere useful so we get a captive population that's that's the that's the detritus that's the result. So then internally you get the internal results, just like you get the, the, you know, the waste food in your body. you also got this waste energy because all that stimulation and, and wash doesn't just wash over your skin and disappear. It goes into your heart and it, you get this energetic debris, which is all kinds of jangled, jangled up rhythms. Heart rhythms are jangled, you know. One's kind of jumpy and hungry and uh, what next and what next because we've been entrained into a jumpy what next state when even the whiskey is running around. (laughs) (laughs) On the go, you know. (laughs) When the breakfast cereal is lively, what do you expect you're going to be? Because that's what the music's doing, jiggy jing jing. So you end up going jiggy jing jing. But when they click music off, it's just you're left twitching. <laughs> something to do, something to read, somewhere to go, what's the matter, what I do next? Like that. And you've got this energetic resonances have been entrained into the heart. The jitter's beating at this particular rate, it's resonant with this sort of speed and tempo. And these kind of instincts to consume, to have, to what next, to what about, you know, where's the happy thing? Rather than steady to reflect. So you get this lot of tangled energy in in the heart and that feeds into the body. Yeah. Mm.
and the subtle sensitivity of the body is lost. The sensitivity to the skin, for example, to the most basic sense organ of the body, skin, you don't feel it. You feel maybe your feet or your head or you're sitting down your backside where there's heavy pressure, sure, but you know, the skin in, in the, under your throat or in the middle of your back or inner edges of your arms, no, nothing there. People lose their bodies. Because those sensitive areas you only sense when your jitta is truly receptive. You can sense the emergency areas of your body, sure. You know, or the highly stimulated sensory areas of your body, like your face, sure. So you think, oh, you know my body. So well, what about what's happening inside your body? Hmm? Nothing. Nothing? <laughs> You've got no nerves there? Nothing happening? So it only, you only sense it if it's heavily stimulated. This means you lose the subtle receptive sensitivities of the body. Right? And we lose the subtle sensitive receptivities of the heart. And that you can't detect qualities like, you know, moral conscience or, you know, joy of dana and happiness of equanimity. They don't, you like the idea, but people can't get it. The sensory system isn't subtle enough to get that because it's been trained to cause heavy stimulation of passion. Dispassion sounds dreadful. <laughs> Boring. Rather than something where there's a lot of light and openness and delicacy and refinement. Because the mind isn't driven, herded, corralled, blurred. It's bright. Therefore, dispassion is really like a release into delightful, subtle sensitivity. This is the consequence of that, of contact in this respect. And one of those consequences is, of course, um, you know, we tend to even, in our memories, remember or be afflicted by uh, heavy impressions, you know, which is heavy negative impressions, which leave their impression on the heart. Times we've been blamed or accused or left out or shut down, messages we've been given that have cramped and hindered and abused our hearts, those come to the surface. The heavy stuff. And we kind of feel we're stuck in this. As the dominant impressions, the dominant contact is mental. Mental impression generally, you know, forms the heart and deforms the heart. You get obvious sense contact, also you get we might say social contact, which is our most fundamental conditioning, is how we are received or related to by other humans. And when that relationship is abusive, disrespectful, 
nihilistic, callous, whatever, that input affects the heart. The heart starts to get trained into that particular pattern. Just like you hear in the music, boom, 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 your heart goes like that. When you're getting those very, very powerful and deeply effective social and human signals from other people, the heart gets shaped by those into being narrow, fearful, mistrustful, uh, half closed down, reactive, defensive, paranoid, jealous, fearful. These, these emotions come out of a, a heart that's not fully opened, sensitive and endowed. The behaviours. And as, so we can see certainly in, in contemporary world there's an immense amount of emotional, psychological, what do you call it, but misshapen, distorted. Um, you know, barely a week goes by without somebody with an automatic rifle shooting a bunch of people who they don't even know. What? Where's that? Well, this is the big, this is the headline stuff, let alone the amount of domestic abuse and general nastiness that goes on. And certainly people, you know, being deeply uh, disordered psychologically. Psychological disorders, social social misfits, dystopias, you know, where the mind is just, the heart is just so twisted or crippled, it can't properly function anymore. And people go, you know, unbalanced or, uh, well, polite term is disordered. And then we can blame them, of course. Fair people. Everything arises because of cause and conditions. If you're in a situation where the true beauty of the heart is not acknowledged, encouraged, deepened, treasured, nourished, <laughs> you know, this is what you get. If you're in a society which where you know indoctrination, dogmatism, consumerism, competition, and so forth is encouraged, these are the results, apart from anything else that also goes on, drunkenness and sexual abuse and so forth, bodies promoted as sexual objects, sexual commodities, well, what are you going to get as a result of that? And so on and so on and so on. So this shapes, because the, uh, although sense contact is maybe momentary, the heart impression, the heart's nature is to, is to learn. It learns that. It learns that impression. This is how we learn from being our one-month-old baby. We learn what the world means through checking it out and oh, getting smiled at or getting frowned at or being... We learn from other beings. So the heart picks up. It learns. So that's right and that's wrong and that's helpful and that's beautiful and this gives rise to warmth and this gives rise to pain. It learns. So you get this perceptual library and that continues. So we end up learning our unconscious way all the biases, all the all the uh, indoctrinations, all the you know distorted patterns 
they have a culture. They get start get established. Apart from whatever familial problems there have been, where you're considered to be useless, unworthy. You were the third girl in the family, they wanted a boy, so you, know, you start off on being a failure. And you get that kind of messaging, you're not wanted. Or families where you're not supposed to feel anything, just get on with your work and don't feel anything, so you get emotionally shut down. And whatever one feels in the heart is held to be myself. So I am like this, this is who I am, this is how I am, it's my fault, I'm a funny person, I'm a twisted person, that's who I am. That's energetic pattern is established, the attitudes are established, the program is established, the identity gets welded onto that. Where it is familiar, repeated, uh, internal, in the heart, is held to be myself. And then from those bases, we start acting in ways to manage from that position. We start doing things to compensate for the dents and the bruises and the shutdowns in the heart. We do things to compensate for it or to project it outward. It's because of him I'm feeling like this. It's because of those people that I feel like this. You know, We're, Our own old history starts playing out in the present moment. So we're seeing beings who remind us of that which hurt us or look down upon us or left us out. So it projects out. We get so this is the way that you get the kind of whole you know recycling of suffering and stress instinctively without deciding to do it at all. It just gets programmed in and they start rolling. And once it starts rolling, the mind can generally find something statistical to back it up. This proves they don't like me because, you know, he wouldn't sit next to me at the dinner table. No, he might have had other reasons, but it doesn't prove anything. You know, you back up, you find some statistic that will prove it. And that's the way it goes. So, what is not understood, because if the mind is welded to contact, into even internal contact, the contact of his memories and habits, which we all have, memories and habits, and perceptions of who we are, this stuff, the perceptions of who you are, <laughs> which we take for granted, are actually just an in, a pattern that's printed, not, not reality at all, not an objective reality, but that which has been conditioned in. You can't take that as a basis. That's just something you've got to work through. That perception of what you imagine you are, what you think other people think of you, and how you judge yourself in terms of others. That's all. That's called old karma. Stored perception, acquisition, residue, upadi. And uh, when we come to direct experience and really begin to look into the heart, this is the stuff that is the territory we move through. In its obvious sense, our sense of who we are, all this kind of that, 
I'm like this, I'm like that, I should be like this, I could be like that, and all that. And then the emotional distortions, very reactive here, don't even notice that. Uh, I, uh, you know, get oblivious to other people. Um, feel I should be oblivious to other people because I'm nervous about them or something. And the various innumerable programs that run from these upadi uh, residues. And the, the quality of the mir, the single quality that you can recognize of them is their instinctive, compulsive, repeated, and unsatisfactory. <laughs> They're a reflex, you don't decide, they just jump up. Right? They're compulsive, they've got to push to them, you got to, you got to, you got to. Yeah. They're habitual, here we go again, here we go again, like this every time, here we go again. Yeah. Right? They create a me, and they're always unsatisfactory, and yes, we keep doing them. In one of the treats I was, I think I was teaching here maybe, you know, somebody's observing uh, different people mopping the floor. And you get the people who go to mop the floor like, this is the project, every speck of that floor is going to get so mopped. <laughs> there will not be a microbe anywhere. No, just the floor, look, right, here we go. Let's go right. So other people just look at the floor and flick, 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 that's fine. <laughs> they both think they're doing the job in an appropriate way. They're running their program out. So one of the big ones, of course, is the workaholic program. The workaholic program is that program to get things done so that... What? Well, it's got to be done. But but why? Well, because it it needs to be done. But um, what happens if it's not done? Well, well, I'd better get on and do it. Can't even reflect upon it. You know, it's like sort of almost a security thing to make sure I've done everything possible to make things clean, tidy, finished. Then I'll be okay. But you know, this is an organic reality. Where things are not fundamentally clean and tidy, they they change and. You know, it's going to be the same tomorrow. It'll be dirty again tomorrow. So what's the sweat, you know? <laughs> um, I've got to get it done. Reflex. Compulsive. I mean, it's good to clean things up, but when you get that, it's got to be done. Reflex. You know, there's in the monastery, you have the washing up, the doing the dishes time after the meal, where a bunch of people turn up and start... Doing the dishes quite nice, actually. Suzzy water, soap, and quite happy occasion. And I think this person was going to do the dishes, and for some reason or other, I had to pass a message on, and, and she was, you could see she's kind of, I've got to do the dishes. I said, well, 
Yeah, but there other people are doing dishes right now, so I just need to point something out. I've got to do the dishes. But other people are doing the dishes. I'll be late for doing the dishes. So, but it's a monastery, you know. It's not like you're not working in, in you know, Starbucks or something. They're not going to fire you if you turn up five minutes late because you're having a conversation with a senior monk. That's considered good. I've got to do the dishes. I've got to do the dishes. You don't come to the monastery to do the dishes. You come to the monastery to... And it was this kind of reflex to work, to get it done, to get it done, to get it done, to get it done, to get it done. Because that's the pattern, and there's no reason for it. And you can't approach it with reason, because the reflex is so embedded. And you think, I wonder where that one came from. Yeah. I wonder where that came from. This woman, I talked to a lady, she said, yeah, I used to, when I went to, when I was a little girl, I used to go to bed with my clothes on so I could jump out of bed first thing in the morning to get to school. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think that's kind of a little bit driven? <laughs> <laughs> Conditioning. Drive, drive. Mano son chetana. Mano son chetana. You know, when the, you know, under the pressure of these perceptual feelings, this, you know, I have to because this is where I get uh, approved of or not blamed or whatever it is. Who knows what the underlying perception of wrong is based upon? Wrong. What will happen if, you know, it's so painful that immediately the reaction, get away from it. And then the Manasunchitana, planning, analyzing, figuring things out, driving on to get to the next thing. It's driven state, which is another form of contact, another form of food. We live on the idea of, of having something to do. We live on the idea of having something to do that we can figure out and get on with. But what if there's nothing to do? They say that, um, you know, how many weeks vacation do you get, average person get in America? Two weeks, is it something like that? When, you know, Stone Age man probably did about three days work a week <laughs> go out and hunt something cook the food sit back look at the sky fool around, play with the kids you know nothing much going on developed world it's now everybody's driven driven, 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 driven it's called progress you know, we got, now we've got nice Things, nice stuff, handy stuff, gadgets, so forth, but the inner being driven, worn out. Something to do, something to do, got to have something to do. Mm. Even spiritual practice can be something else to do, to get on with.
to get to the next thing, the result. That attitude, that's the energy called sankara, which is get to the next thing, and the next thing will be the result. Get to the next thing where the result will happen. Yeah? Get to the next thing where there will be the result. So you pick up the energy as you get to the next thing, you get to the next thing and then there will be a result. You get to that, you get to the next thing and there will be a result. You get to that, get to the next thing and there will be a result. And then you try that one, you get, oh, I couldn't quite make it to the next thing, something's gone wrong. Maybe there wasn't a next thing. <laughs> Driving on. Perhaps the aim was just to linger where you are, cut the engines, sense what's happening, get interested in what's sustaining and beautiful, see where it goes, see where it goes. Maybe just a little nudge now and then. Is the heart so dead that it has to be driven? Is it so stupid it has to be constantly lectured and told what to do? Is it so pathetic that it needs, a, it needs a constant series of guidelines to get on with? Could it just actually be given some suggestions and open and be reminded for the beautiful in itself? To regard the beautiful in itself. Linger. Let that have its effects. Mm. What is the beautiful in itself? There's awareness, sympathetic awareness and sensitivity. Linger. In this very body, as energy is given, bright energy. Linger. You don't have to do anything. To it, it happens. Let it happen so as it relieves the blockages that prevent you from sensing it, sensing more deeply. Linger in it, your awareness lingering in it begins to move out of the patterns and the programs that have got conditioned in. This is the nature of heart. We follow the tides. We follow the energy tides, sankharas, acquisitions, habits, compulsions. We follow those energetic tides. And they're very convincing. They seem to be mine. They're the ones we've been encouraged to follow. We follow those tides. What's it like when you don't follow the tides? And you think, oh, what are we doing? And instead turn to what's already given. Already given, like awareness is given. Breathing out is given. Space around my body is given. Sensitivity to the skin is given. I don't have to make it anything. It's quite alive. Heart is quite alive, vibrant. It's actually rather loving quality. It's a the heart itself is a rather sensitive sensitive quality and sympathetic. It resonates 
with the happiness or unhappiness of other beings. I don't have to make it that way, does it? Linger in that. Lingering in that, making much of that, the tides are no longer being fed. No longer being fed, they die down. The qualities of presence are being fed, nourished, made much of. They increase. They grow large. Other tides fade out. The tides of current and obsession and compulsion and habit fade out. Those tides of habit, familiarity and obsession are called I am. I am fades out. (laughs) Instead, what's left is not driven, not a matter of analysis, not a matter of computation, not a matter of chasing, not going forward in time, innately self-sustaining, innately present, innately nourishing. This is your treasure. When we abide in this, we lose our appetite for sense contact, compulsive habits, drive and willpower, ideas and theories. We just, they don't taste so good. We lose our appetite for them, for doctrines and indoctrination and slogans and yada yada. We just doesn't taste pleasant. Said we delight, taste the truth. This kind of contact is good contact. This is good food. In our practice, for sure, we get the tides will well up. And the moments when the tides abate, we notice that. We notice what causes the dwindling of the tides, the influxes, what leads to their increase. We turn the mind to reflect. This is something that jitta can do. It can be turned back to itself. All this is cultivation. So you really got to um, look very clearly at the idea of meditation as something you kind of get a program for, fixate upon, get to the next stage with, go on and on, get better at. You really got to reflect upon what that program, how what the benefit of if it is, if there is one, and what the disadvantage is. And you filter out and take what is really necessary and nourishing and discard the rest. So let's take some time for direct practice. <laughs> 